Morning church. I've always wanted to enter into something like that. It's like, I watched Rocky as a kid and I just thought, ah, wouldn't that be so cool? Good morning. My name is Ray and I get the privilege of sharing God's word this morning. Uh, and before we begin, uh, just more uh, a shameless plug on my end. If you are a parent of a middle schooler or a high schooler, I want to invite you next week, next Sunday, uh, December 6th from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. in the underground room, uh, we're going to have a parent roundtable. In parent roundtable, we just have these quarterly, and it's just a, an opportunity for parents to get together and talk about various subjects on parenting. And so the topic that we're going to be talking about is social media and technology as it relates to you and, and your kids. And so come next Sunday, uh, 9 to 10, in the underground room, we'll have coffee and donuts and some other things. So that's my shameless plug. Well, I don't know what um, Revelations 20 uh, holds for us. I don't know if the band uh, Europe is going to be playing this song, but wouldn't it be so so cool? It's like the final countdown <laughs> and just be able to, to hear that. But we're in this series, as Pastor Ron said, and we're, we're finally wrapping up chapter 20. And we're calling this the final countdown, partly because we're seeing the end. We're seeing the end of Jesus Christ coming back to make all things new. And so if you have your Bible, uh, join with me, Revelations chapter 20. We're going to be on page 1040 in the pew backs in front of you. And to give you a, a picture, a setup of what's going on, I want to uh, share with you three themes that happen in this chapter. The first one is the millennium. That's what uh, you're going to see in verses 1 through 6. And then from 7 to 10, you're going to see a battle, awesome battle. And then finally, in verses 11 to 15, you're going to see a judgment. So the millennium, the battle, the judgment. Now, a word about the millennium. Just as we talked about back in chapter 11, that there's going to be a tribulation that's going to take place. We don't know the timing of it, uh, whether uh, Christ is going to come back before the tribulation, halfway through the tribulation, or after the tribulation. The same is here for the millennium. The millennium is just basically a thousand years. We're going to read about that in the first six verses. And there's three prevalent views that go on with the millennium. Some people believe that the millennium is going to take place uh, uh, when Christ comes back. So when Christ comes back, uh, tribulation is going to happen. Armageddon is going to happen. Jesus Christ is going to come back and he'll set up the millennial uh, kingdom. And during this millennial kingdom, a lot of things are going to happen. And then there's going to be a final judgment and then the eternal state or, or spending eternity uh, with or without God. That view is called premillennialism, premillennial view. The second one is... Uh, what we call post-millennial, that the thousand-year reign may or may not happen in a literal sense, but the world is going to get better and better during this time. People are going to become Christians. More of the church is going to uh, be uh, risen up, and, and people are going to hear the gospel, and then uh, the millennium is going to happen, and then Jesus Christ will return after the millennium, so post-millennial. The final view is uh, what we call amillennial. Amillennial basically means that there is not a literal thousand-year uh, reign, that 
people who uh, believe this particular view are seeing chapter 20 as very symbolic, that the millennium is happening right now as we speak, that the church age is, is presently ushering in the millennium. And then uh, Jesus Christ will come back and judge, and then there will be the eternal state. So there are three views here in mind, the premillennial, postmillennial, and amillennial. Uh, just for a conversation as you guys begin to dig deeper this, this week, as a church, we take the premillennial view. Uh, we believe in the bodily uh, and physical uh, return of Jesus Christ and that he would usher in the millennium and that he would reign and rule. And so as we seek, uh, speak this uh, and, and share uh, this morning, you're going to see a, a premillennial view of, of the kingdom. So Revelations chapter 20, starting in verse 1. And then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. And after that, he must be released for a little while. And then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. And also I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. Now, I talked about this, uh, these three themes, but I want to spend some time talking about the millennium. The millennium teaches us about the nature of God. The millennium teaches us about the nature of God. Now, I don't know if you, many of you have been to countries where there was a monarchy, but I want you guys to imagine this first uh, picture that Christ has come back and he is king. Now, uh, many of us don't know what that means. We, we run on a democracy. We run uh, with the president, vice president, and, and different legislative uh, branches of the government. And so we don't understand uh, what a monarchy does and what a king does. And I want you to think about it for a second. What would it be like if Jesus Christ came back and when Jesus Christ comes back and he's going to rule like a king? A, not like a king that you would see or hear about uh, or know about in different governments, but a king who is fair, a king who is honest, a king who is righteous, and a king who is just. That's amazing because we don't, we don't have that image and we don't have that picture quite yet. But one day, Jesus Christ will return and reign here on earth. Heaven will come back down on earth and he will reign and rule for a thousand years. And it tells us something about this king. This king is all powerful. God is all powerful in this image. But Satan's power is limited. God's power is it's all powerful, it's unlimited, but Satan's power is limited. We see in these first six verses 
that Satan has been bound. God is so powerful, he doesn't need to do it himself to bind Satan. He sends an angel. He sends an angel to kind of just do his work. It's, it's not like, I'm not even going to bother with Satan. It's like a, a little blip on his, his timeline map. And he says, I am all powerful. I'm king. I'm going to rule with justice and fairness. And the very first thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to send an angel and I'm going to bound, uh, bind Satan. It says Satan, Satan is going to be bound so that he cannot deceive the nations anymore. You see, we, we live in a world right now, although there are times peace, there are times a lot of chaos. And a lot of that chaos is caused because Satan has free rule and reign over the earth right now. Peter talks about that, that Satan is kind of like a lion. He's looking for someone to devour. And so we see that Satan has kind of free reign right now. But in the millennium, Satan's power is going to be limited. He's going to be chained up, so to speak. Imagine a huge timeout for Satan. A thousand year timeout. You, you know, as parents, you've probably done this with your kids. You've given your kids a timeout. And you, you have them sit or, or stand in a corner. And within maybe a minute, they kind of like inch out of that place and they inch out a little bit further and you got to push them back. Not here with Satan. Satan's on a huge timeout. He is chained up. He's in the bottomless pit. He cannot wreak havoc. But it doesn't mean that sin is not present in the millennial kingdom. You see, uh, the, the second thing that we, we see here, not only is God powerful and Satan's power is limited, we see that God's going to bring justice to those that are martyred and oppressed. So everyone throughout all time that are believers are going to be raised up and brought back and, and, uh, and to be ruling with authority in different positions during the millennial reign. Those who, who oppose the Antichrist, those who oppose the beast, they're going to be rewarded. There's going to be an opportunity for them to have authority and positions of rule along with Jesus Christ. But who are they ruling? See, um, during the tribulation, there's going to be survivors. People are going to survive the tribulation. People are going to survive the Armageddon. And throughout this millennial reign, there's going to be offspring. So people are going to be born who still do not know Jesus Christ. And they're going to be born with a sin nature. The Bible talks about that the heart is deceitful above all things. There's still sin present even though Satan is bound up. But the way that Jesus Christ rules and reigns, he's going to do that swiftly. He's going to deal with sin uh, very swiftly. He's going to deal it with fairness and justice. And then you, you see this third part that is happening in the millennium. God's going to set up a kingdom of peace and righteousness. See, we don't live in a world or even in a community today where there's peace. We can't go five, 10 minutes without seeing something on the news that is horrible, that is horrific, that is chaotic. And it makes us cry and tear up and we, we just want to yell out and cry out, come Jesus, come back soon. But there's going to be a time in the millennium that a kingdom of peace and righteousness will be set up. Now, I don't know if some of you are, are like nature buffs and, and some of you have seen 
our, our nature, our, our national parks, and you think it's like, oh, this is so cool. Well, one day, God is going to restore the earth to its original condition as well. Not only is there going to be peace and righteousness, you're, you're seeing a new earth being formed. God is going to restore and make things all new. And I, I, I love this show that uh, my wife and I get to watch uh, sometimes. It's called Fixer Upper. And I don't know if you have, have seen this show. It uh, centers around a husband and wife who, who finds dilapidated homes and restores them to its original condition, even better sometimes. And you can imagine, this is kind of the scene that is happening. As Jesus Christ is reigning here on earth, he is restoring things. He is making all things new. It's his creation, he's making all things new. People will be coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And there are also people who will still reject God's saving message, even during the millennium. So we see that the millennium teaches us about the nature of God, that God is king here. He rules with fairness. He rules with righteousness. He rules with justice. We see in the second thing, the second theme is that there's a battle going on. And the battle demonstrates the nature of the contest. Continue reading with me in verse seven. It says, and when the thousand years are ended, Satan's gonna be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, God and Magog, to gather them for battle. And their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived, who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were. And they were going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's going to be this huge battle that's going to take place. None that we have ever seen before. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been in a battle before. I remember growing up, uh, I got into a fight when I was in the fifth grade. And in the fifth grade, I didn't know much about fighting. I only knew what I watched on TV. So I happened to uh, to get in this fight with a friend of mine. And to this day, I don't know why we got into this fight. And we're, we're in the middle of the street, right across the street uh, from, from the school, from the elementary school. And our bikes had been pushed aside and we're brawling. We're just like going at each other. We're like hitting each other. We're throwing punches. The only thing I knew how to, uh, how to do was a headlock because I had watched a lot of WWF. And so I'm like, I'm gonna wrestle this guy. Maybe, maybe I can pin him down. So I got this guy in a headlock and he's still flailing his arms, my friend. And then all of a sudden he gets out of the headlock. And the next thing I know, he clocks me. He throws this punch. I've never been punched before, never knew what it felt like. But when I got punched, I was like, this hurts. And we had traded punches. We were kind of bloody. We were scratched up because we were like fighting on the street. And what's really funny about this is that middle of the street, broad daylight, middle of the day, no adults breaking up this fight. We're just fighting in the middle of the street. And all of a sudden, the fight ended. We kind of went our own separate ways. I was a little bruised up and banged up, and he was uh, the same. But this is not the type of battle that we're looking at here in verses seven to 10. 
In verses 7 to 10, we see this awesome battle that's going to take place. And to, to demonstrate, I wanted to maybe put on some boxing gloves and, and grab someone over here. And so can I get that volunteer who, who I asked earlier, if he's still here, to come on down, Darren. Come on down. We're going to do some boxing. And I want you to imagine for a second that this is a huge battle that's going on in verses 7 to 10. Would you help me welcome Darren up here? Darren, go ahead and put on these gloves for me. Real simple. Have you, have you ever fought anyone? Okay. Do you think you can take me? Yeah, okay. Because, so. you know, um, I want to let you know, I'm Satan, you are God, okay? All right, so I'm going to be Satan, you're God. And Satan, it says in the verse that uh, when, when I'm released, I'm, I'm ticked off. I'm mad. I've been sitting on timeout for a thousand years. And I ra- uh, raise up this army that is as numerous as the sand of the sea. See, I haven't been like wasting my time even during this thousand years. I've been working out. You see, I've been working out so much that I developed some pecs and a six pack. So I'm going at it. So you're going to represent God. You like it? All right. You're going to represent God. I'm going to represent Satan here. And we're going to go at it. And this is what we're going to see here. I got my whole army behind me. You're God. What do you do? What do you do? You throw a punch at me. And I go down. I just flail down. And I cannot do anything about it. And that is the scene here. Give Darren a hand. Thank you, Darren. You see, we, we see in this huge battle that it is not even a contest. Satan's huge army doesn't really matter. I'm going to button up this shirt because I don't want you guys to be like tempted or like distracted or whatever. I know. I got a one pack underneath there. The barrel. So, but we see that in this battle, it's a no contest. Satan's army that he has amassed doesn't matter. It doesn't matter compared to what is going to happen. Here, here we see the army come up, and here we see God's response. God's response is swift and decisive. He says that he marched up over the broad plain of the earth, and he surrounded the camps of the, the saints in the beloved city, which is Jerusalem, and fire came down from heaven and consume them. Fire comes down from heaven. It's kind of, kind of like that cliche saying, you don't bring a knife to a gunfight. God don't play. He is going to just basically say, look, I, brought, I, I sent an angel to, to bind you. What makes you think that you have an old whole army that can defeat me? And he just sends lightning down. And his decision is swift and fast and what ends up happening is the devil who had, de- had been deceiving the earth was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and, and Antichrist were. Back in chapter 19, we talked about that. And they're going to be tormented day and night forever and ever. I've always wondered, why, why is Satan released here? You know, what, what, what was the purpose of the thousand-year reign and, and Satan being bound for a thousand years. I, I think we don't know exactly in the word, but if I were to speculate, maybe it's to show that God is still king, but it, maybe it's also to show the, the nature of the human heart, 
that even though Jesus Christ is present and reigning on earth, and people have the opportunity to receive and repent from their sins and turn to him, they still go their wicked ways. And we see that uh, uh, Satan's role as tempter and deceiver here. And so we don't know exactly, but maybe that's one, one thing that we can speculate, that he's released to basically to show that God's king and that Satan is still a deceiver, even after he's been bound and chained up for a thousand years. And so we see that his response, God's response is decisive and swift. And now we find the final judgment in verses 11 to 15. Verses 11 to 15 says this, And then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky had fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before the throne and books were open. And then another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. And death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire, and this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. We see this last theme here. We saw the millennium. We saw this great battle. Now we see this judgment. And the judgment gives us a blueprint of what's going to happen to mankind. The judgment gives us a blueprint of what's going to happen to mankind. You, you see, the, ju- the judge who is talking here, he is just. He's loving. It says that there is a great white throne. And it's great because of the judgment that is going to be coming. It's white because of its purity. And the person, only person who is allowed to sit on the throne is Jesus Christ. There's not going to be a mistrial. There's not going to be a hung jury. There's not going to be anyone to corrupt the verdict. His judgment is final. And so the ju- judge is going to be just and loving. And the judge is going to be looking at the books. You see, in this final four verses, we see the judge is looking at the books and the book of life. If you're a believer here this morning, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins, you've repented, rest assured, your name is in the book of life. There's nothing that you can do that can get your name erased. There's nothing that uh, you can do to earn your way into this book of life, but simply receiving the free gift that Jesus Christ offers. So if you're a believer, a Christ follower, and you said yes to Jesus some time ago, sometime in your life, your name is in the book of life. Amen? What a praise and what a blessing it is. But then the judge is going to be looking at the books. Now, the books are not something that are, are to be happy about. It's not like, hey, I'm, I'm real smart, so I got a lot of books to my name. The books are, are, are a list in some sense of the deeds that mankind has done. Imagine for a second, if you were an unbeliever, you did not know Jesus Christ, and you died, your name would be in the books, and you would be judged according to what you had done. 
not according to whether or not you trusted Jesus Christ because you're given that opportunity numerous times. You're being judged by what you have done, your works. Jesus Christ may, may look at, oh, do you remember that day at work when you stole or kind of embezzled money? Oh, remember that Instagram post that you posted that wasn't so appropriate? And he's going to go on and on and on. And the judgment is fair. Even though you might think it's like, well, that's not fair because I, I didn't know Jesus Christ. You, you see, the millennium uh, reign, there's many, many different opportunities to receive Jesus Christ. But in man's heart, people still reject him. And so we're, we see that the judgment, God is passing judgment now. He sees that he's judging by the books and here is what the judgment is going to be. If your name is not found in the book of life, which means eternity and spending eternity with heaven, you're being judged by the books. This is for the unbeliever. This is not for the believer. It's not like you do something bad as a Christian and you, you morph over here. That's not going to happen. Your name is forever written in the book of life as a believer. But Jesus is talking about these books. And these books are what concerns me. It concerns me, it grieves me, because I know that there are many uh, of the world that does not know Jesus Christ. And there may be many in this room who have never trusted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And when he passes judgment, there's not going to be a second chance He says, if your name is not found in the book of life, you're going to be cast down in the lake of fire with Satan, the beast, and the false prophet. And that's it. There's not going to be any other opportunities. And so we look at this judgment and we see two destinations going on here. For the believer, we go to heaven. We spend eternity with Jesus Christ forever and ever worshiping him. For the unbeliever, he has uh, been cast down to hell. And hell is a very real place. Hell is not going to be some picnic or party. There's not going to be like uh, a barbecue going on. Hell, uh, as the Bible describes it, it's a place of suffering in Luke 16. It says that it's also a place that is spiritually dark. And in Revelations 20, verse 10, of what it describes after sending Satan to, to Hades, that it is forever person is going to be tormented forever and ever, day and night. I don't want my friends, I don't want my family who do not know Jesus Christ to end up there. And as we, we close today, I want us to summarize and, and just really think about what Revelations 20 teaches us. The first is, is this beautiful picture that Christ will return one day and Satan will, defeat, will be defeated. The second is, Trusting in Jesus Christ is the only way to spend eternity in heaven. I I don't buy the the argument or or the discussion that there's many different ways to Jesus. There's only one way. John 14 talks about that. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we, we see that Jesus Christ is the only way to spend eternity in heaven. And finally... This is the one that, that gives me hope. As, as believers, we're compelled to share the gospel. Now, there are, there are two groups of people probably in this room today. There's this first group 
that we talked about earlier, that is, you are believers, you, you trusted Jesus Christ, and your name is forever written in the book of life. You're secure, you have hope, and you know that one day you're going to worship Jesus Christ forever. But then there's a second group that may be here today. You maybe have uh, come to church a couple times or even grown up in church. You've heard the gospel or, or you, you heard all these different stories and uh, Sunday school stories in, in children's ministry or in, in underground and powerhouse, but you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior. You have a lot of book knowledge. You can, you can tell me what the gospel is. You know the books of the Bible, but you have personally never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior. I want to talk, spend the rest of my time talking to the second group. In light of what we talked about in Revelation 20, I want you guys to understand how important this final judgment is. It is no cakewalk. It is no picnic. It's not a party. You're going to, you're going to spend eternity separated from God. And that's something that, um, that I can't live with as, as a believer. My, my heart is to want to share the gospel. Our hearts as believers is one to share the gospel. And if you're here this morning and you want to receive Jesus Christ, I just want to share a couple things with you about what the gospel is. The first one is this. We need to realize that all of us are sinners. As believers, we're no better than those that are unbelievers. Uh, we, we pro, we're prone to sin. We're prone to wander every single day. The Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one perfect in this room. So first thing that we need to realize is that all of us are sinners. But the second thing is that we need to recognize that Christ Jesus paid the price for our sins on the cross. The Bible continues to talk about in Romans 5 that while we were yet sinners, while we were depraved, while we didn't have any hope or any chance, Christ Jesus died on the cross for us, paying the penalty of sin. And he says that the way for us to receive Jesus Christ is that we need to repent of our sins. Repent is just a fancy word saying that we're going to turn from our own old ways, wicked ways, shameful ways, and we're going to turn and run toward Jesus. And finally, we need to receive Jesus Christ's forgiveness free and clear. There's nothing that we can do says, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not of yourself. It is the gift of God, eternal life, not by works, so that no one can boast. We freely receive Jesus Christ's gift that has been given to us. And if that is something that you would like to do this morning, I'm just going to ask all of us just to bow our heads. And would you just pray with me? And if this is you, you want to receive and trust Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning. I'm just going to ask that you uh, just uh, repeat after me in this prayer. This prayer doesn't save us. It's not, I have to say this particular formula. But this prayer just helps us in our, in our discussion, talking to God. And for those of you who are believers, I just ask that you would just pray. Pray fervently for those that, who do not know Jesus. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's neighbors or classmates. And ask yourself, you know, what, what do you need to do this week 
to make it known to them uh, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ and that you have the best news that you want to deliver to them this Christmas season. So would you pray? Says, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I've done some things that have um, not pleased you. Thank you so much for dying on the cross for my sins. I turn from my ways and turn to you right now. And I place my trust in you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for the free gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I'm gonna ask that you do something bold for me. Would you raise your hand? Just so we would know how we can just better um, pray with you and just minister uh, to you. If you pray that prayer for the very first time, it says, I trusted Jesus Christ this morning. Would you raise your hand? Praise God that this morning we're sitting as believers gathered, studying God's word with a hopeful heart, knowing that Jesus Christ is going to return and that our name is forever sealed in the book of life. Not to be ashamed, but to be hopeful that we can take this message to our community and to this world. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your word is very clear about the gospel, that it is alive, that it is free, that it is forgiving, that it is eternal. Thank you for this gift. Thank you that our lives will not pass into judgment at the end of the millennium, but that we will reign with you forever in eternity. And so Father, as we continue to look into this book and as we continue to, to move into this Christmas season, may our hearts turn closer to you, knowing full well uh, that you one day will return. And we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.